uh, grab your Bibles, your handouts. You might be able to might want to download the app on your phone. If you haven't done that yet, you can follow along on the on the app with our message notes. And we've been in a we started a, a series last week with Pastor Marlon from Nicaragua called Identity. I want to continue that this morning. And what a day to be here to celebrate those who've been baptized when uh, when little Kevin Eric was just baptized. Ten-year-old uh, Kevin reminded me of just a few months ago when we were in Israel. I had the incredible blessing and privilege, here he comes now, of baptizing dad, Kevin Eric, in the Jordan River uh, as he, it's been about a year since you made a step into the kingdom. You accepted Christ as your savior, right, Kevin? And so uh, he'd not been baptized before. Uh, what a what a blessing that was for me, for all of us, to experience this beautiful thing of baptism, being reborn, stepping into the kingdom of God, giving uh, testimony to who you are. That's what baptism is all about. And we're talking about identity today. Fathers, happy Father's Day to every single one of you. We're going to celebrate you today. I want to encourage you. I want to speak into your life today, and I want to not, not, not necessarily challenge, but, but encourage you to, and spur you on to be the dad, the father that God has designed and intended for you to be. We all want that, don't we? We all want that. And dads, you have a, we as dads have a distinct role when it comes to identity. Our God, our Father, tells us who He is, and He tells us who we are. And as fathers, our, one of the distinct roles or parts of our identity as fathers is we impart identity from God through us into our children. Mother's role is to nurture that identity. Our role as dads is to speak it into their lives, to speak blessing, to speak identity, to speak truth, to tell them who they are. So dads, what an incredible blessing we have, right? And responsibility, mantle to carry. When we name a child, we go through all kinds of things to, to figure out what we should name a child. The first name, middle name, sometimes more than one middle name. We get a last name, the surname. It's all part of I, our identity, but it's not the whole thing, is it? The government wants to give us a number. That's, that's the way they identify us. But that's not a number, that's not an identity at all. In fact, people want to just steal that because they want to steal that part of our identity so they can get money or whatever, extort. But God, when God speaks a name, when God speaks our identity into our lives, nobody can take that away. Are you with me? Now, the enemy of God wants to take it away. He wants to steal our identity, as one of the young people who just got baptized said. Great. I mean, he's going to be a preacher, isn't he? The, uh, little Mr. Pierce. Pastor Pierce, we'll call him from now on. Um, you know, we could just do baptisms and pray and go home, because it's been an amazing day already, hasn't it? Yeah. But since I prepared a message, we'll not do that. We'll stay, we'll stay right here um, and talk about identity, the ways God wants to speak identity into our lives. He spoke identity into his son, Jesus. Jesus has all kinds of names. We read them in Isaiah 9, and we watch the, the, the role he lives out all through God's word. He's, he's called uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. 
Savior, Jehovah, Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, all kinds of names that God's Word identifies for Jesus. Various parts of his role, various nuances like a diamond, nuanced uh, various facets of his identity. We have various facets too, but the number one thing God wants you to know is that if you're, a, if you're a son, he wants you to know that you're a son of God. If you're a daughter, he wants you to know that you're a daughter of God. That matters. And he wants to speak that into every single one of our lives today so that we would know it, we walk in it, we live in it, and we know that it's true and it can't be stolen from us. A lot of examples in God's Word that we could look to to, to help us see the way this works. I want to look at the, the example of Moses today and learn what we need to learn from Moses so that we learn to walk in the identity God has for us. So if you have your Bibles with you or something you're reading Scripture on, maybe it's your phone, your iPad, whatever it might be, turn to Exodus chapter 3. I'll get there in just a minute. But first I want to set up the story. In case you, maybe you've heard of Moses and you don't know who he is or what he did, but let me tell you a little, a little bit about him. The people of God, the Israelites, sometimes known as the Hebrews or the Jewish nation, at this time, when, when Moses was born, they were in captivity, you might say. They were living in the land of Egypt. They were living under the rule of Pharaoh, and they were essentially indentured slaves. They lived in an area that all belonged, that didn't belong to them, but it was designated for them, called the land of Goshen. And all of Egypt used them as slaves. They made bricks, they built buildings, they, they essentially built the Egyptian empire, was built on the backs of the Israelite people. And Moses was born during a time when the Egyptians were starting to be concerned that the population was, was growing so rapidly among the Israelites that they were afraid of them. So Pharaoh passed down an edict saying all firstborn, all male children should be killed from this point forward. And Moses' mother, desperate to save his life, put him in a basket in the reeds near the river where he, she knew Pharaoh's daughter would go and bathe and Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him in the, in the, in the palace of Pharaoh. So now you have an Israelite who knows he's an Israelite. He knows he doesn't really belong to the Egyptian people, but he's being raised as an Egyptian. He's being raised sort of as a, the son of this distant Pharaoh who he hardly ever has any interaction with. So he's confused about who he is. And he lives 40 years that way. In the palace with all the creature comforts, all the wealth, all the food, all the education, every resource you could imagine available during that time in the world. But Moses doesn't have the thing he needs the most. He doesn't know who he is. So no matter who you are or where you're from, no matter what your background or what your current situation is, no matter how relatively poor you may be or relatively wealthy you may be, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what God says about you, you're just like Moses. You're going to live in a tension of wondering and trying to find success and you're going to try to find identity in other things except for who God says you are. And what I want my prayer for all of us in this room today is that each one of us 
will come to know who God says you are. Will come to know your God-given identity. Your, your spiritual DNA. That you will live out of that truth. As Moses eventually did. Now at age 40, Moses is at a crisis point in his life and he watches some of his people. He knows they're his people. He doesn't live with them. But he knows they're his people. He watches them being punished and abused. So he takes matters into his own hands one day and he actually killed one of the Egyptian soldiers. Hid his body in the sand. But he was, his crime was found out. And within days, he's running as a fugitive. He has to run or he too will be killed. So he ran from Egypt and went to the land of Midian where he met a guy by the name of Joseph, uh, Jethro who became his father-in-law. He married a young woman, the daughter of Jethro, named Zipporah. And for the next 40 years, he spends his life as sort of an indentured servant to Jethro, watching, shepherding, caring for Jethro's sheep pasturing them in wilderness places. So now he spent the first 40 years not knowing who he is. And now he'll spend the next 40 years taking off that old identity, still, however, still not knowing who God says he is. So now he thinks... Well, I'm a sheep herder, and there's certainly nothing wrong with being a sheep herder, but that's not who God says he is. So he still lives in this tension. Am I just Zipporah's husband? Am I just a sheep herder? Who am I and where, what is my purpose? Do you ever feel that way? Have you ever asked that question? Same question Moses was asking. Until finally, at age 80, and the reason I want all of you to know God's purpose and God's plan and God's identity, to, to, to hear what he has to say to you, I don't want you to get to 80 years old and still be wondering. It's, it's, you know, it's not unusual for people to get to 80 years old and still not know who their God-given, what their God-given identity is. It's not unusual, but it's incredibly unnecessary. It's unnecessary for you to go, to 40 years old and not know. It's completely unnecessary for you to get to 80 and not know who God says you are. God wants it. That's what I want for you. It's not about, remember, it's not about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. For you to know the truth about who he says you are. So Moses lives in this false identity, and finally at age 80, he has a major moment. Moses has a kairos moment with God, when God speaks to him while he's shepherding sheep in the wilderness. God speaks to him through a burning bush. It's a kairos moment. We'll call it this morning, we'll call it a Moses moment because I believe God has a Moses moment for every single one of you. Every single person in this room, God has a Moses moment with your name on it. 
This isn't just something that only could happen to Moses. This is something that, want, that God wants for every single one of us. And we get to watch what he does with Moses, so we'll learn and we'll be prepared and in position to receive what he has for us. Exodus 3, verse 1. Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning a fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. Remember, at this point, he doesn't really know God, and he certainly doesn't know completely, he doesn't understand completely who God is, and he definitely doesn't understand who he, Moses, is. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses. Or something like that. <clears throat> Moses. And he said, here I am. Which I think is the way he felt in God's presence. Then he said, do not come near. Here, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said also, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. See, God's saying he's revealing to Moses who he is. Identity is incredibly significant. The God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've given heed to their cry because their task, of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their sufferings. Just pause for a second. I just want to say to you again, receive this, because when you cry out to God, he hears you. Can you receive that? When you cry out to God, he receives you. He, he hears you. When we cry out to God together, it's like a megaphone to God. He hears, he responds, he cares, his compassion moves toward us. He's aware of their sufferings. Verse 8, so I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite and Hittite and the Amorite and Perizzite and Hivite and Jebusite. This is a place where God has promised to give them. This promise has been true even in the life of Abraham more than 400 years prior to this time. God's going to fulfill his promise. That's why it's called the promised land. Verse 9. This is still God speaking. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen. So you have a God who's, who hears, and you have a God, a Father, who sees. He sees you. He hears you. I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh. God's going to speak into Moses' life, and he's going to give him his identity and his purpose. That's what we all need. One of the four basic needs of every person on the planet is acceptance, security, 
identity and purpose. God's going to speak all of that into the life of Moses. And that's what we all need. There are no exceptions to that. All 7.3 billion of us on the planet need those four things. And we need them from God. But Moses said to God, Who am I? Am I a... Am I a a rich guy in a Pharaoh's castle? No. Am I a shepherd in the wilderness? I don't know. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I to do what you're asking me to do? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh. That I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly, this is God speaking again, I will be with you. See the promises of God here? And this shall be a sign to you, and I'm going to prove it to you, he says, that it's I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God here at this mountain. Where he's speaking to him there. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So Moses is asking God, who are you? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this will be my memorial name to all generations. Friends, this is 3,500 years ago. And this is still as true today as it was then because God said it. It will always be true no matter how long he tarries and and waits to receive us back to him. No matter how long your life is, it will always be true. He is God and there is no other. He is God. He is the great I am, the one true God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what he says is true. And when he says it, it's true about you. It's just as true now as it was 3,500 years ago. We need to know this. Because we live in a world that's, you know, truth is relative and everybody's got their own, they think. We need to know the truth the truth that sets us free it's the truth that puts us on a path of of purpose that God has for us so Moses went to Egypt now he goes with Aaron Aaron is his brother he's got all these excuses why you know why he shouldn't go and God continues to show him and tell him and reveal to him in fact he says don't worry I've got it all figured out Moses says but I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't I can't I can't um, 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 I can't I can't I can't communicate all that well he says don't worry I'm sending Aaron with you he's a pastor he can't stop talking he will speak for you and he will take care of it I've, I've had everything covered Moses you have nothing to worry about so he went and he began to do what God had told him to do there were 10 plagues 10 is the number of testing 
all ten of them. Moses continued to speak to Aaron. Aaron would speak to Pharaoh. The ten plagues would come. Finally, the last one, many of you know the story, was the, the angel of death who came. That's why we still celebrate Passover. That's why we have the, the Easter happened at the time of Passover because the Israelites had gathered at that point in time to celebrate Passover. A celebration that when Jesus came was 1,500 years old because of this event. The firstborn of all the Egyptians was killed. And finally, Pharaoh relented and sent the people of Israel away. Still a lot of drama to unfold. We won't go into all the details of this, but the important thing for us to remember is God even spoke, even spoke to Pharaoh in, in Exodus 4, in the midst of all this chaos and drama that was unfolding, where Pharaoh was continually refusing to do what God told him to do, then this, this power struggle was happening. God spoke even to Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron at, in Exodus 4, 22. He says, you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son. You see who you are? You are God's son. You are God's daughter. That's who you are. And God is going to speak, and God is going to lead, and God is going to protect and provide. He's going to give you purpose. He's going to unfold his plan and his power in your life if you will know and live in your God-given identity. There's a power struggle happening here between God and Pharaoh, just like there's a power struggle still happening between God and the enemy of God, Satan. And the enemy of God is still saying the same thing to us today that Pharaoh was saying to God's people then. See, Pharaoh was saying to God's people, you're just slaves. That's what you are. You live in the land of Goshen. You work for me. You are under my authority and my leadership. You'll never leave here. I'll never let you go. You're always going to just be slaves. That's what the enemy of God has always said. He's still saying it today. He is speaking into your life, into your ears in some ways. And he's saying that sin that you're carrying, you'll always be a slave to that. That's who you are. You're a slave. You're not a son. That Those circumstances that you're dealing with, those difficulties that you're having, those struggles you've had for the, all, all, your, all these years that you can't seem to overcome, you'll always have those. Just like a testimony this morning, Alicia. In your baptism, you said, I dealt with that. I carried that all my life until finally God and his power overcame those and spoke into your life the truth of who you are. Thank you for that testimony. That is beautiful. Now, you have put on the identity of Jesus Christ. You are no longer that old person. You've taken it off, just like Moses needed to take off his old life and put on the truth of who God says you are powerful testimony you provided to all of us we all need that if you're still carrying the circumstances or the sin or the difficulty or the challenges or the hurt or the pain or the anger or the struggle no matter what you're carrying around you need to leave it here today you need to take it off that is not who you are but the enemy of god is saying just exactly what what pharaoh said then you're just a slave 
you're a slave to your circumstances, you're a slave to your sin, you're a slave to your situation, and that's never going to change no matter how hard you try. You know what? Partly that's true, because you can try and try and try, and it's never going to change. But you can give it to God, and He will speak, and then it all changes. Then it all changes. Because only God has the power to overcome the enemy of God. That's why Jesus had to come, just like Pastor Pierce said earlier. That's why Jesus had to come. Beautiful. Because he's the only one who can overcome. He has done that. He said it is finished. Thank God for that. That struggle still continues, but that's why this is so important. Number one, God speaks true identity, and when he does, it aligns our life with God's purposes. When he speaks our true identity, and we receive it. See, what Moses needed to do is the same thing we all need to do. Moses needed to hear God and agree with what God was saying. Hear me? We have to agree with what God says. For a while, Moses argued with God. No, I don't think you're right, God. I know you're the God of the universe and everything, but I don't think you're right on this one. Anybody here ever said that? Okay, I'm the only one in the room that's ever said that. That's what Moses needed to do, is finally agree with what God was saying. We all need to do that. And when we do, it aligns our life with the purpose God has for us. It aligns our life with his purposes. And when that happens... Our identity is not just a name. It's the DNA God is speaking into us. And it, it determines our design. God speaks our des- his design into our lives when he speaks identity. And when you are living according to your God-given identity, you'll be living according to your God-given design. When you're living according to your God-given design, you're going in the direction God has for you. And direction determines destination. It doesn't matter what your intentions are or what your plans plans might be or how much you might struggle it's only going to happen when God speaks and you agree with what he says then you live according to your design engineers are you following me this is the way this is the way it works everything functions according to its design but God gives us free will we can resist our God-given design when we receive it however we'll we'll be moving in the right direction direction determines destination God has a direction and a destination for every single one of us in this room. And when he speaks and we agree, we'll be moving in the right direction. Am I the only one excited about this? Um, Took took Moses, as I said earlier, took Moses 80 years uh, to figure this out. To receive, I, I just, you know, that's, that's not unusual, but it's not necessary, as I said earlier. Um, I love the fact that so many of you have been receiving your God-given identity. I'll just give you one quick example. Um, just a few months ago, we had a, a couple here in the life of the church that God began to work with, and they began to receive and went through a very difficult, very challenging season in their life because their marriage, too, was in, in, in very difficult uh, time. I didn't think they were going to make it. But as they continued to receive the healing and the freedom 
and the truth and take off the old and put on the new and begin to live in different ways and think in different ways and relate in different ways, God restored them and their marriage. And they too, they also would say, their marriage has never been better. They're more in love now. And this is, you know, a 25 or 30 year long marriage. You see what God wants to do? See why this is so important? True identity aligns your life with God's purposes. Secondly, true identity will receive, when you receive that, you will receive God's plans for you. Just like Jesus did. It's exactly the same thing that happened to Jesus and Paul and Peter and so many others. When Jesus, recorded in Matthew 3 and in Luke 3, when Jesus is baptized, anybody remember what God spoke into Jesus' life when he was baptized that day? What did he say? He said, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased. And that launched Jesus' public ministry. But the first thing that happens after that moment, the first thing that happens is Jesus goes to pray in the wilderness for 40 days and the enemy of God comes to try to steal his identity. Remember what happens? Satan comes to Jesus in the wilderness as he was fasting and praying and he said, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if, what do you mean if? That's who he is. And because he stuck with that truth, he defeated the enemy with God's word and just changed the world. That's all. Right? And you know what? God wants to speak into your life and do the same thing. He may not use you to change the entire planet. He may not use you to impact all 7.3 billion people on the planet. But he's going to use you to change your little cul-de-sac in the kingdom. Your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, your family, your marriage, your children, he will use you as a conduit to speak his truth just the same way he did with Jesus and with Paul and with Peter and with Timothy and all those who've come before us that we stand on their shoulders today. It's now our day and it's time to stand in the truth of who we are. And that's what God has for each one of us. He wants that for every one of us. Not for us to wonder, not for us to, you know, live in this tension all the time. We'll go through difficult times in our lives, certainly. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to be lost. We can be purposeful. You know, uh, Galatians 5 gives us the fruit of the Spirit, what happens when we are filled with the Spirit. The, the fruit that we bear the result of living in our true identity. You know, so, so what that means is, you know, just like if, if, a tree, if, if you have an apple tree, it's going to grow what? It's going to grow, it's not a trick question. If you have an apple tree, it's going to grow apples. If you have a cherry tree, it's going to grow cherry. So if you squeeze an apple, you're going to get apple juice, right? If you squeeze a person who's a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, who knows who they are, and they are filled with God's truth and God's presence, when you squeeze them, what you're going to get out of them is love and peace and patience and and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You're going to get the fruit of the Spirit. 
But Galatians 5 also tells us if you squeeze somebody who doesn't know who they are and they're not walking in the, in the power of God, and when you squeeze them, you're probably going to get punched with jealousy and envy and slander and gossip and strife and outbursts of anger and disputes and dissensions. Which category would you be in? Too many of us are still living in, the, in that category because we don't know who we are. And thirdly, when you walk in your true identity, you'll receive God's power. Oh, I wish I had so much more time to tell you about the ways God is moving in our lives and in our midst by, through prayer. Just, just a couple of days ago, there were uh, some, two women who came and spent some time in our prayer room. We have a 24-7 prayer room, by the way. We'll do some emphasis periodically where we'll, we'll, we'll pack it out and, and fill the schedule for 24 hours a day. We did that last uh, week ago, last, not this last week, but a week ago. This last week, we still had a lot of people in there praying, many, 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 many hours. So next month, we'll fill it up. We'll do a push and fill it up the entire week, 24 hours a day. But it's available 24 hours a day, so a lot of people are still going to pray. A couple ladies in there praying this week. And God began to put, gave one of them a vision she had the picture of a hotel, and there was a name. And somehow she understood that it was in the south part of the city. So she began calling friends, asking, does anybody know if there's a hotel by this name? And somebody said, yeah, I know exactly where that is. So they gathered about 10 people together, and they went and began to pray in front of that hotel. Gave him an opportunity to meet the manager of the hotel. And they began to minister to him and pray with him. This happens to be a hotel that's used for abusing and exploiting women. And they began to pray with the manager there. And he began to pour out his heart and say, I've been hurt by the church, and I've been hurt by Christians, or people who call themselves Christians, and they began to minister to him, and he began to respond to them, and he began to weep and cry as they prayed for him. And they began to pray for some of the women who were there, and the pers person at the uh, hotel next door, and other people who began to, and they were there ministering to people all day long, and people were asking them to pray for them, and to, and to continue to to minister to them. It was an incredible Holy Spirit empowered time. Why? Because somebody knows who they are and they're listening to the voice of the Father and they're going to do what the Father is telling them to do and people's lives are getting touched and changed and transformed and renewed and set free. Hello, that's what happens. We're going to have an event this September called Kairos where many of you can come and experience what I'd call Moses moments. Because God has lots of Mo Moses moments for us. I'm just going to tell you it's coming. I'll, I'll talk more in detail about it. About mid-September, Friday afternoon and on a Saturday, we're going to invite everyone to come and we'll have times of worship and teaching and prayer several times throughout the day. 
called Kairos, when God steps into time, a Moses moment. But I want to tell you, um, God spoke to me last fall. He spoke to me many times. He, he spoke to me in this way, in the way we're talking about today, when I was on the Mount of Olives. Uh, led a group to Israel last fall. In fact, there's another group that's going to go next April, the last two weeks of April. If you'd like to go, I would love for you to go. The Eriks are here, you guys went. Um, you can talk to them, and they'll tell you what a life-changing experience it is, right? We were on the Mount of Olives, and I wanted to give everyone some time to pray. It's where Jesus prayed often, and I had some time myself to pray. And I, uh, I spent time, was praying, and I said, God, do you have anything you want to say to me? And I, I said, if you don't, that's okay, because I'm on the Mount of Olives, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty good spot right now, so I'll just worship you. But if you have something you want to say to me, I'll just, I'll receive it. And God spoke very clearly and said, be my son. And that just hit my soul in a very deep, powerful way. And I don't have time to go into the whole story about why that was so significant to me. But I'll tell you this. I'd never heard those words before from anybody. I, I didn't realize I'd never learned to think of myself as a son. And then later in prayer over the next several weeks, I just continued to bring that before the Father. And he just continued to say to me, you realize, as my son, you're already successful. Men, you know what I know about us? I know that we all want to be successful and we're afraid we won't be. Is that true? Maybe that's true of everyone in the room. I know it's especially true of all the men. Isn't that true, guys? Anybody else? Is that true? We all want to be successful, and we're afraid we won't be. What God was saying to me that day is, you're my son. And because you're my son, you're already successful. He said, you inherit everything. There's nothing to worry about. You don't have to be afraid of anything. You never have to worry. I'm never going to change my mind about this. You'll always be my son. Just be my son. Just learn to be my son. Receive that. Receive that. Live in that truth. There's no need to strive for anything else. Be who you are. Be who God made you to be. We don't need anything else. 
you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you that your word is true and that we never have to question your heart toward us. Thank you for speaking even today through your word and through the life of Moses into each one of our lives. And Father, I pray that right now every person in the room will have a Moses moment. That we'll all hear you clearly speaking into our lives, into our hearts and minds. Taking off the old, taking off the last 40 years maybe. Maybe taking off the last 80 years. And stepping in to your truth, to what you have to say. your purpose and your plan and your power. Lord, I pray that every single one of us will have a Moses moment with you. For those, Lord, I pray that many you'll call here to the altar to pray. To pray for our own needs, to pray for others. And every person we know We'll come to know you as our Father. So we can be the sons and the daughters you've designed us to be. Walking in your truth that leads to the future, the destiny, the plan you have for us. Lead us now, God, in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing one more song. And this is a time when we invite everyone to come and pray. Uh, Altar team, if you'd come and wait on us. Our altar team leaders will be here prepared to pray with you. So I invite you to come and just walk right up to them and tell them what you'd like to pray for. Perhaps you want to pray on your own. You can do that as well. You can just come and pray on your own. I encourage you to come pray with one of our altar team. So that we're ministering to one another and agreeing in prayer for one another in this time. Let's come and pray as we sing.